Hello and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. Today, I'm joined by Greg. Hello. And we will be reviewing a whistle stop for our first review of the new year. Yay, celebrate! Whistle sounds. Yeah, exactly. But first, let's talk about some of the games that we've been playing lately. Yeah, so I uh, I took some trips this holiday season, mm-hmm. and I had a chance to play some games with people who I don't usually game with, which means, very exciting, I get to play games that I don't usually play. So, and some that you do. And some, yeah, okay, and some that I do. <laughs> uh, I'm still, I'm the constant in all of this. No, um, but so we got to play, I got to play two games with some friends in Boston. One was called Catacombs, mm-hmm. and Catacombs is an interesting sort of dexterity game. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like Shuffleboard. Mm-hmm. So you basically got you've got this mat laid yeah. out like this cardboard mat, and your character is represented by a little wooden disc, mm-hmm. about an inch wide, maybe like half an inch tall. And on your turn, you're going to flick it towards the enemies. So yeah. that's a melee attack, and anyone that you hit with your disc takes one point of damage. Mm-hmm. And for a range attack, instead of moving yourself, you get like an additional little tiny disc that you can flick that deals one damage. And then after all the heroes go, the opponents get to go. Uh, and it it is a one versus many situation. So okay. you've got basically like a dungeon master who's flicking all of the the enemies. Okay. And they're going to try to deal damage to you. So you don't want to melee attack, rush yourself in there, mm-hmm. and then just get dogpiled. So some, some people have interesting attack patterns where they can make like a melee attack. And then there's what's called a rush, mm-hmm. which is uh, a movement. Like you flick yourself to move, but you just don't do any damage at the end of it. One of us was playing a hero where they could make a melee attack, and then immediately they got a rush. So they could yeah. rush in, do some damage, and then run away. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was really interesting. And you're playing through essentially a dungeon that the DM player has crafted for you. So there's like a series of cards that says, these are the types of enemies that you'll be facing. And there's like, I think we played seven of them, six or seven of them, okay. to get through this entire dungeon. And then there was a boss monster who was like this giant gorgon who could... She had a petrifying attack that killed three out of the four of us. It was really ball-breaking. Mm. But overall, really fun. I, You know, dexterity games aren't really something that we get to play, yeah. like, ever. So that was new. Not mm-hmm. just the game was new, but the, the entire genre. Yeah, so with that, it's like, okay, you're flicking your, your, your dude at the monsters, right? Yep. And then... So is it like a benefit to like if you have like this big giant thing to like flick it and like flick it as hard as you can so it gets away as quickly as bo- or as much as possible? So that's the thing. So in some cases, yes. Uh, and in other, t- in other cases, no. So there's, there's no actual benefit to knocking someone off the map. Like mm-hmm. they don't take damage or anything like that. But the more force you hit someone with, obviously, the further they're going to go. So if you want to get someone out and maybe push them into a disadvantageous position. Yeah. You might want to hit them a little harder, whereas if you want, you know, the person who's charging in behind you to be able to do damage to that person as well, you maybe just want to tap them so you don't interrupt your opponent's line of attack. And there's all these sorts of, like, really dynamic considerations that you have to think about just based on the situation on the board mm. that was, A, really interesting, but also, B, kind of got us into some trouble sometimes where we'd be <laughs> like, you are literally in my way. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, but it was, it was interesting. It was. Uh, so is there friendly fire? There is no friendly fire, okay. from what I can tell, which is good, because mm-hmm. we would have murdered each other. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, your friend is in your way, and you just, like, flick, and, like, you know, can you, like, do, like, the whole dwarf tossing, and, like, you know, get one of your friends and, like, throw mm-hmm. them into the enemy? Not 
that we played with, but there are a lot of different heroes, and mm-hmm. I would not be at all surprised if one of them had like some sort of special ability that allowed you to do that. We did play, uh, we played with an expansion, I forget the exact name of it, but it was something about wyverns, mm-hmm. which are basically like larger discs, so they're maybe like an inch and a half, and you ride them into battle. So you put your character disc on top of a wyvern disc, and then that wyvern Like, if you were to get hit, but you don't actually fall off the wyvern, like, you don't take any damage or anything. So, Hmm. uh, it can be defensive. It also introduced some, like, X-Wing-style attack targeting templates. Okay. So, you could get, like, a small cone or a large cone. And so, you wouldn't even have to physically hit someone to do damage with them because your wyvern could, like, breathe fire or whatever. So, that was really powerful and added a lot of really interesting dynamic gameplay Mm -hmm. So, so were the discs like just balanced on top of each other? Because the discs are flat. Yeah. On the they're they're flat on the thing, so there's no balancing. They're just like stacked. Yeah. You wouldn't have to actually like there were no no, no but that's what I meant. So it's just like you know if you flick it too hard, you can fall off your own wyvern. Oh, so when you're when you're making an attack with a wyvern, you actually remove yourself from the equation. Ah. So you there is no ability to fall off your own wyvern because you charged too hard. <laughs> uh, I did. I thought about that as well, but yeah, yeah. they they covered that in the rules. I wasn't sure if that would be done by like having. Uh, then like with an indent on the wyvern so that you do that but then you talked about well, like how, how they uh, if you get knocked off then then you get damaged so you wouldn't be able to use that mechanic if you had the indent right right yeah it's um it is just if you're making an attack with a wyvern you just take yourself off and then okay. you're on there for your the counter attack essentially so gotcha gotcha uh, but it was a lot of fun very goofy very lighthearted. hearted uh, mm-hmm. the art style was definitely like reinforcing that very comical yeah pretty cool the other game that we got to play while I was there was called The Champion of the Wilds. Wild? I don't remember if it was plural or singular, but The Champion mm-hmm. of the Wild is a game in which you have animals, and those animals are competing in various like sports, essentially. Okay. It, almost like an animal Olympics. All right. But what you do is you set up three events. Mm-hmm. And those events fall into five different categories. So you've got strength, Mm -hmm. which in our case was like shot put or javelin. Okay. You've got technique, Mm -hmm. which in our case was a cooking competition. Okay. That's an interesting Olympic uh, (laughs) game right now. You've got team events, which in our case was couples figure skating. Okay. And then there were two others that we didn't actually end up with because you've only got three events but you you basically pick three events and then each person gets to choose one animal from their hand of seven and that animal competes in all three events and it's purely just conversation it's not mechanical gameplay there's no your your animals don't have stats or anything like their weight and height is listed but it's strictly I chose this animal because, and then you justify it. It's very, Mm -hmm. like, snake oil-esque. Okay. Like, you are just trying to sell your decision for each of these things. So, like, I chose a porcupine for this particular thing of this uh, javelin uh, cooking competition and then figure skating. And I was like, well, I chose them because they can be bipedal and they have like moderately dexterous hands so that helps with the cooking implements and each round plays out separately and then at the end of each round the other people are scoring you uh one to however many other Mm -hmm. players there are so we were playing a five-player game so we were one to four for each of the other players yeah just the goofiest thing 
I can imagine. Yeah. It's completely I mean, like, ridiculous. My, my thoughts right now is like with porcupine and javelin, it's like, well, its back is made of javelins. I mean, right. come on. <laughs> it just hurls itself. <laughs> um, it was the type of game where as I was playing it, I was like, this would be an amazing drinking game. <laughs> because that's that's exactly what it is. You're just sitting yeah. around a table with some of your friends and you're just talking about these crazy scenarios in which a blue whale is trying to figure out how to do the shot put. And someone's like, use the blowhole. And everyone's like, oh, freaking the hell out. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, it was just great. It was super fun mm-hmm. and just a, a really good, really chill game to mm. play you know at the end of the night it, it it is a little bit longer because you know it's very free form and people can talk for i'm sure you could put a timer on it but people are allowed to improvise and allowed to sort of do mm. whatever they like so it can go on a little bit but great game to end the night yeah and just be silly i really hope that there's bear wrestling in there somewhere because Probably. i mean I, the event decks are quite thick yeah because i mean like it, it has to be like i mean if you have bears and you can you have to have, let them wrestle at some point oh of course but it sounds absolutely hilarious and definitely a game that uh if we had on stream would be absolutely great yes yes i highly recommend it for stream i think it would be an amazing stream game <laughs> so look out for that at some point possibly in the future keep an eye out Mm-hmm. And then uh, last, but literally not least, I played like four games of Spirit Island. Because of uh, course. Because of course, it's me. Uh, I did, I got to introduce Spirit Island to one of my friends. Mm-hmm. She and I played a couple rounds of two-player, mm-hmm. and that was exciting. We just played the base game. We didn't okay. actually introduce the expansion just because she was learning and we wanted to like get a handle on the core rules. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I got to play with some other friends, my my other friends who I saw who own the base game okay but hadn't played branch and claw before mm, okay. so i got to introduce events and tokens and all of that and i'm happy cool. to report that we won all of the games yep and yeah just generally did did pretty well they everybody involved liked it there was a bit of a learning curve which i mean there always is it's spirit island it's, that's just how it works yeah for the person who'd never played before and a bit of analysis paralysis again <laughs> from from all involved. Yep. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a great time. I think everybody had a lot of fun playing with it. Everybody, it's always such such a fun theme, mm-hmm. you know, just smashing colonists and everything. So, did any of the people that you introduced to Branch and Claw get to play Keeper? Yes, actually, uh, one of them played Keeper, mm-hmm. and they thoroughly enjoyed it. They got a lot. They actually got a lot of traction out of their wilds. Mm-hmm. I think over the course of the game, it was a four-player game, so there was lots of opportunity. And I think over the course of the game, they probably prevented like eight to ten explorations. That's so like pretty doing great. work. Yeah. Um, and then they also got to use the um, that power of theirs a couple times where you deal damage based mm. on the number of wilds that yep. is like adjacent oh, to things. One. So yeah, just like raw t- towering wrath. That's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. I think it's used towering wrath, which was just you know their sort of big. Uh, power mm-hmm. play moment so mm-hmm. yeah i think they uh they enjoyed it nice and did you bring the promo characters or no i did well i don't actually have them yet oh yeah, yeah you're i've getting got them, uh, i'm getting yeah. them once yeah. the uh the jagged earth uh, i forgot that you, you weren't you weren't fully complete in, in your uh in your collection not yet not for <laughs> want of trying but not yeah. yet so uh mm-hmm. but yeah that's um that's when i had a chance to play over the holidays sir sir please sir is this train stopping at one of the Rolling Thunder towns? Are you blind, kid? This train has blue and, w- and gray resources, not gray and white. The 
There's no way this, this train is stopping at Rolling Thunder. It's going to coast to coast, of course. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, sir. Meant no disrespect. Come on, get out of here, kid. We've got a whistle to stop. And whistle stop. That's, yeah. uh, that's our game. That's our review. So, first review of 2019. We're getting started big. Whistle Stop is a route building, resource management, pick up and deliver game for two to five players in which you're trying to move from east to west, mm-hmm. picking up and dropping off resources along the way in order to score the most points. Pretty much. And uh, on your turn, you have four tokens that you can use. And these can be your call tokens or your whistle tokens. And these are used mostly to move along the tracks. So go figure. You move along the tracks, you go to the different nodes, they give you resources, they can be rare resources, which are the blue, the green, and the red, mm-hmm. or common resources, which are the white, the brown, and the gray. And each of these, you know, the common ones are, of course, more common, and the rare ones are not as common. And you, you move along the tracks, you know, all of the tiles that you put down uh, have uh, tracks going off all six sides, and uh, you can pretty much build it as you go. Mm-hmm. And most of the tiles in the game are regular track tiles. They either have uh, a few resource stops or just tracks that go straight through with no stops. Uh, and your trains just keep going until they hit a stop. Um, you play these from your hand as your trains go forward. And this is important. They have to go from east to west, especially if they're using coal. They're actually not allowed to go backwards. Um, and you play them from your hand until your train stops. And the it can stop at a few different things. It can stop either at the resource stops or it can stop at uh, some of the special tiles. The special tiles themselves are things like the towns that we mentioned, which are stock like company towns, which uh, have uh, like need blue and gray resources or gray and white resources or what have you. And when you stop there and you pay those resources, you will get stocks and points. So you'll get a, a, a share of that stock and points that are equal to the number that are on the tile. If you stop at one of these and don't have or don't want to pay the goods, then you will actually lose points. And that's pretty much the main way of getting points throughout the middle of the board until you get to the very end. And at the very end of the board, you have the end game tiles. And these are very similar to the towns in that they require resources, three instead of two this time. And they give you a lot more points. But after a train gets to the end, it can no longer go back. It is then taken off the board and placed onto another resource track where you get more tokens as well as some resources to be able to play with throughout the game. Yeah, exactly. And that's most of the mechanics right there. Uh, In addition to towns, there's a few other special tiles, mines, trading posts, stores, things that are going to be able to give you resource cubes or tokens, either coal, whistles, or gold gold being worth sort of a random amount of points at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And then you've also got upgrades, which you can purchase throughout the game in exchange for resources. So upgrades are going to do anything from giving you additional abilities that you can use. You basically pay a coal, and that's one of your actions for the round, mm-hmm. and then perform an ability. So sometimes it'll give you a whistle, or sometimes it'll give you gold. There are different ones depending on what the different upgrades are. And then other upgrades are simply passive. They're always in effect. You can block people from moving past you, or you can prevent them from moving past you. You can use upgrades that increase your hand size, so you have more options to consider when you're laying down tiles. 
And you also have upgrades that basically act as a toll booth. Anyone who wants to pass you has to actually pay you resources. So upgrades are very powerful. They can change a lot of how the game is played, which is why you can, when you acquire them straight from the board, you just pay an amount. But they aren't yours forever. Other people can actually pay their base cost to the game and then pay you one rare resource to take it from you. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a lot of upgrade movement throughout the game. You can never really be sure that, oh, that one's going to be mine forever. You can't bank on that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the game just keeps going. It's, uh, you know Everyone has the four tokens that they can use each turn. And once everyone goes, the round is over. Uh, more coal is distributed or whistles based on which round it is. And once that's done, everyone gets another two coal for that round. And it keeps going. Once you distribute the last coal that is on the round tracker, that begins the end of the last round. Unless someone had put all of their trains out already uh, onto the resource track beforehand. Right. So there's some strategy involved in ending the game early, but for the most part, at least in our experience, games tend to run their full length. And then it's a point salad. So you've got the points that you've earned throughout the game from Mm -hmm. picking up uh, stock or reaching the end of the line. You get points from your stocks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whoever has the most shares in each of the five stocks earns 15 points from that stock. Yeah. You have additional points for leftover resources, points for upgrades, negative points if you have any special tiles left in your hand. You really are encouraged to play those tiles. It's a significant amount. It's negative 10 points for- It's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So like when the largest, I think, single thing that you can get- during the uh the middle of the game when before the end game tiles is 10 points like that's significant oh yeah it's a pretty big uh pretty big hit so all these points are added up totaled and then whoever has the most is declared the victor yeah and that's pretty much how the game works but now let's talk about how it feels right it feels pretty great i mean it's it's quick it's very light-hearted very almost what did you, you call it toy-like yeah yeah, very toy-like. A lot of the illustrations are, you know, sort of pastel colors. They're very friendly, very cartoony. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it it feels like you're building sort of a model train set from your youth. Exactly. You know? Yeah, like, th- this, uh, when I compare this game to other similar, like, you know, or other train games, pretty much. Right. Like, the heavier ones are, like, the, you know, scale model, like, you know, electric trains and that kind of stuff that go around the tracks. This is the wood, wooden block, like, you know, magnetic uh, wagons on the trains that you used to play with when you were a kid. My personal favorite type of model train. I want everyone to know. <laughs> so, like, the game itself, uh, the pieces, they're also, like, really enforced that almost. Mm-hmm. They're, like, these really nice pastel colors, wooden little pieces. The score trackers look like Smarties, and you really have to be careful not to eat them <laughs> if you're... This is not a game that you want to play when you spill a whole thing of Smarties on the board. No. Or probably with small children. Yeah, that too. Um, because some of the pieces could get eaten. In general, I think that the game is one of those like train games that is really light-hearted. Many train games, uh, especially the heavier ones, have a bad reputation of being like extremely brutal, yeah. extremely like heavy. The kind of thing where it's like you sit down, you burn your brain, and then like you know you still lose. And it usually has a very in-depth stock mechanic. This has like taken all of those mechanics and stepped them back a bit. Yeah. Whereas like you still have the tiling, but the tiling is a lot 
uh, less cutthroat. It's like you still uh, you have entrances and exits on every side rather than just two or three in, in, in other games. Or like you don't have to worry about the overpasses. You don't have to worry about building costs. You don't have to worry about any of this kind of stuff. You just put the tile down and go. Right. And then like you collect resources and like it's not like there's a limited number of resources in any of these uh, stops. You can go to there as many times as you want and collect the resources. You can go to any of these tiles as much as you want and collect them. It's very forgiving in that way. But it still has that aspect of, you know, if you land on a town and don't have the resources or don't want to spend them, you still lose points. Or you end on an end game tile and don't have the resources, you still lose points. Right. So it, it still has that kind of aspect, but it's almost like scaled back. Right. It's still, I mean, it's very much about planning. You yeah. got to be thinking ahead, which, you know, is the mechanics reinforce that you've got the tiles in your hand. You're thinking about, okay, when am I going to use this one? When am I going to use this one? You're planning out your routes and the different routes that you can take because some of your trains are more on the northern end of the board and some are on the southern end of the board. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of flexibility and a lot of self-determination, but it is still really about making sure that you've got the best route planned or the best route available to follow if you've set yourself up or if another player has set yourself up for you to follow in their footsteps. Yeah. And I, I really like actually one of the things at the beginning of the game is that, you know, you get to choose where you place all of your trains. Mm -hmm. And so you get to really think about like, you know, what do I have in my hand right now? And like, so because of that, like, where will I place my trains and like, which ones seem to have good synergies? Where can I get that rare resource? And I think one of the things that I really like about it is that you don't just like have one train, right? You like have multiple trains and uh, all the resources are common. So you can ha send one train to just be the, the, the like resource gathering train that yeah, there's like a set of these two resources that are really good that you could just like get all the stock for mm -hmm. um, while using other trains to get that stock. Right. And so it, it really, I think, gives you a lot of flexibility. Flexibility in, was in, exactly my word. Yeah. In the planning, it really gives you a lot of more flexibility, a lot more ways to get around things like someone blocking your way, someone taking something that you want to, to use like that, that can, you know, you can use a whistle to jump over them. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, jump over your own trains using coal. You can, um, you know, go to the general store if you're missing one of the, uh, one of the resources that you need, or you can go to a trading post and trade one in for something else. And, and so th there's just a lot of different ways to get exactly what you need in order to get the points that you want. Right. Uh, for all that, though, no game is perfect, as we always say. Mm -hmm. uh, and a big part of why this game is not perfect is the setup. Yeah. Setup, it's just a nightmare. So you've basically got, you've got all these tiles. You've probably got hundreds of tiles in the box. And they have to be laid out in a very specific order to set up the board. And some of them, the end game tiles, have a different colored back. That's easy. But the other ones you have to put together, you know, you have to have six special tiles in this specific configuration of two towns and one not town and one whistle and it's like it's just there's so many things and there's no clear way by looking at just the back of them to dis you know to distinguish because eventually yeah. they're all going to get shuffled into the same pile mm -hmm. that it's just there's no way to do it other than to just brute force it and look for each of the tiles in turn mm -hmm. and it takes forever and then you have to do the front end setup yeah. of the first you know sort of column of tiles that you're looking at and then you can finally put them all together and sort of form the the draw stack so it's just it's a lot it's very front-loaded in terms of the effort that goes into it which is especially noticeable given how you know quickly paced and relatively simple 
the rest of the game is. So Yeah, especially if you, you're just picking up this game, it's one of those things that uh, you won't think about this until a few games in that you should separate the special tiles at the end of each game. Right. Something like that to make it easier on yourself for the next time. Um, it's definitely a downside, I think, like the, the setting it all up. Um, the first time when we were doing the, the recording for Board Game Bistro, um, just putting out all the coal <laughs> took the entire time that it took to, to put out all the rest of it the did. tiles kind lot. of thing. So it, it's one of those that it, it just takes a while. But another thing that I think can be really confusing about the game is the movement. For the most part, it seems pretty simple. Coal can let you move either in your column or west. And, you know, you're, because that's, that's the way that the game is, uh, is being built, so you, you can go in that direction. The thing that is a little bit more footnoted is how you calculate that, because all of these tiles have, like, these little curvy, all these, uh, every, like, track can be a little bit curvy, they're not all straight, they're, they're all going in different directions. So if you have a train in one place, and then you have a track that goes, like, back two tiles and around or something like that, and then still ends up in the same column... That's a legal move, mm-hmm. but it's almost counterintuitive because you went back, even though you're not allowed to go back with coal. Right. It's this weird, it just requires a lot of nuance and precision when mm-hmm. you're talking about how it works. Because otherwise, if you try to just be, you know, give broad strokes, it's, okay, well, coal allows you to move, but you can't move backwards, except when you do move backwards. And so you pretty much just have to lay out in explicit detail all of the corner cases in which coal and whistles can be used, yeah. which is just very cumbersome for trying to explain to new people how the movement rules work. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the ones that trips people up a, a decent amount is like you can skip over pretty much your own trains without counting the stop that you went over as a stop, but you can't do that. But if someone else's train is in the way, unless you use a whistle, you can't go that way. Right. So it's just one of those things that like is a bit confusing and almost counterintuitive to how like an exception is made for your stuff versus their stuff. And, uh, and then like the fact that certain stops, like the bigger ones, you're allowed to have multiple trains on, but like all the smaller ones, you're not unless, you know, someone has an upgrade that let, that prevents you from stopping on one of their stops and right. that, that kind of stuff. So that, there's a lot going on. And I think that it, the movement explaining that and making sure that it's clear can be a big downside. Definitely. Overall, though, I think we can guess what Jacob's rating is going to be for this game. Yeah, I mean, it's a train game, and it's one of the train games that I can get a lot of other people to play because it is one that I can uh, set up quickly, explain still pretty quickly compared to other train games. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's got a much more friendly tone. It's got a much more like easy stock uh, mechanic than than other train games so for me it is definitely a buy it i played it once at labyrinth with with some other people and then uh immediately just was like yeah i I need to get this game so it's it's definitely one of my favorite like beginner-ish train games yeah there you go this was a tough one for me i had said before we started recording that i was going to give it a skip it And then I realized that I was only saying that because I'm really bad at it. Um, (laughs) And I don't think me sucking is actually a justifiable reason to give a game a skip it. I think the game is solidly designed. It's just for whatever reason, I have trouble wrapping my head around it. So for that reason, final review for me is going to be a play it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that it is fun. I think it's a a solidly built train game. It's accessible, Mm -hmm. which, as you point out, many train games are not. 
and I think that it has some really interesting and elaborate considerations going into it that maybe some people just have a little bit of trouble with. So, uh, <laughs> But if you do like lighthearted train games, check this one out. Speaking of... Yeah, let's talk about some of the games that are comparable to this one. So I'm going to start with uh, more of, I guess, a general statement in this one. This is a train game. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to compare this to some other train games. (laughs) So I'm going to, first off, give you one that is lighter than Whistle Stop, and that is Paris Connection. Right. You've got a lot uh, lighter mechanics. It's a lot easier. Um, In general, it, it has... A lot more focus on the stock aspect than it does on uh, the resources because there really are no resources in Paris Connection. All it is is just the trains. But it's still a really fun train game uh, and a really fun capitalism simulator. (laughs) Um, So that's definitely a lot of fun. But then I'm going to go the other direction. If you want something a little bit heavier, I would definitely think about the Steam Railways of the World and Steam Rails to Riches games. Those are all games designed by Martin Wallace, or at least in part, and they have very similar mechanics where you have the tile placement, you have some stocks and, and that kind of thing of just like buying them. They are a lot more brutal in terms of uh, if you have too many points, you start losing points because you, you just can't keep it up and things like that based on where you are on the score track and you have to like make up for that, uh, you know. The towns don't automatically refill, and there are other things. There are a lot of other considerations to go into. But if you're really looking for some good, more complex, but not like 18xx simulation level train games, the uh, Steam Rails to Riches, Railways of the World, and Steam are definitely good choices. All right. And last but not least, a non train game, uh, Scoville. If you are a big fan of sort of the root building board building mm-hmm. gameplay as well as looking to c- collect very specific configurations of resources which you're redeeming for uh point generating things scoville is a great analog here so obviously you're doing recipes instead of stocks but very much the same you're moving around the board you're collecting specific colors specific types of peppers in order to redeem them for things that are going to get you points, things that are going to form really the backbone of your game. So if you're looking for similar styles of gameplay with a lot of that self-determination, you're constructing the board, you're choosing your own path, but you're, you're blocking looking for, other people. You're blocking other people in a lot of cases. Um, but if you're looking for a theme that is uh, just for whatever reason, not trains or deliberately more quirky, I mean, there's only one game about hot peppers that I'm aware of. Yep. Uh, so definitely check out Scoville. And there you have it. That's our review of Whistle Stop. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for this, our first episode of 2019. We hope that you enjoyed it. Keep an eye out, uh, or an ear out, as the case may be, for more great podcasts from us this year, more streams, more uh, special content as well. We've got some bonus content available for all of our patrons. If you aren't yet, feel free to head over to patreon.com slash dragonsdemise. It's strictly extra. The, the podcast, the streams, those will always be available to everyone. But if you feel like giving back, if you feel like supporting what we do, we adore you. We, we cannot, I personally right now, Cannot articulate how much I appreciate uh, every one of our patrons, particularly our Greater Wyrm patrons. These are Casey, Carissa, Sam, and Hunter. Huge shout out to you guys um, and really to everyone who's supporting us on Patreon. 
Uh, and if you're, you have supported at the greater worm level and don't hear your name right now, uh, we apologize. This is a pre-recorded message and, uh, we will be sure to thank you on the ones that we record after you pledged. That's right. I'm speaking to you from the past. Um, yeah. No, but for real, uh, thank you all so much. We hope that you're enjoying uh, the the bonus content, the extra sort of monthly stuff, the just some of the additional vlogs that we've got. There is going to be an opportunity coming up for our naming raffle. Uh, mm-hmm. Have your name or a name that you create show up in one of our recurring streams. So be on the lookout for that. And overall, just continue enjoying our content. Join us next week for the next exciting episode of Dragon's Demise. <laughs>